We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you. Or maybe you're commuting to work. We are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) You weren't ready. I was ready. (laughs) You just let me have it. I let you have it. Because you were having such an emotional day. (laughs) (laughs) You wish. You wish I was having an emotional day. (laughs) So this morning, Laura posted on Instagram, like, is it a full moon? Because, oh my goodness, the emotions are huge. And I was like, what? Is Laura having like an off the rails day? She's going to come to my house so emotional. So I messaged her and I'm like, uh, you or the kids? She's like, oh my goodness, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I am high on cold medicine though. <laughs> Why do you never have big emotional days? I don't know. I like my emotions to be private. They're usually me crying in a corner of my massage room and then I shake it off and I'm fine. Shake That's like off. once every three months though. It's not that often. I'm a pretty zen person. What does that mean? I don't know. I just don't get that emotional. (laughs) I think most people know that about me. My close friends know that I'm not like... I'm pretty positive like 98% of the time. Yeah. And I don't love to talk about myself. Unless I'm in a very narcissistic mood. <laughs> but like I mean like my deep heavy emotional stuff I don't like to talk about. You're good at dragging it out of me, but I do try. Yeah. How are you today? I mean, I'm a heart on my sleeve. I'm usually like if I'm having an emotional roller coaster, you know about it. So How many times have you cried at the gym? Oh, more times than you, I think. I mean, it's, considering I worked there yeah, and fair. was there often. Oh. I, but I've definitely cried at the gym at least like six times, which is a lot in public, like literally crying while squatting. Yeah. There's something (laughs) about- Do you even CrossFit if you haven't? I know. There's something about the really hard workout that you're like, this feels like punishment. Yeah. And then you just can't handle it. Or somebody says the wrong thing to you on the wrong day. Oh, fair enough. That's definitely happened. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah, ripped a coach a new one. (laughs) They love us. Oops. We just need to wear red shirts when we're PMSing. So there's just a warning. Do not approach. It's true. Mm -hmm. Where are we in our cycle right now? I think like 21, 22. 22. That's never really a great day for me. (laughs) Yeah. No, fair enough. That's why I thought maybe it was you and your big emotional day. Yeah, no. But it was just your kids. No, I'm mostly just pissed off that I have a cold and I'm going out tomorrow night. Yeah, it's not a good fit. No, it's not a great fit. So we'll see how that goes. I'll check in with you on Saturday morning and see how I fared. (laughs) First time at a bar in two years. Whoa. It's a lot. In Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. A drag queen bar. Amazing. Yeah. I should probably wear a mask. Oh, fair enough. (laughs) So what were the big emotions? What were, what was going on with Shay? Oh, so Shay has this obsession lately with me braiding her hair. Okay. 
multiple tiny little annoying braids. Oh, time consuming. So time consuming. And then doesn't think when she asks me to like manage time. Mm. So she asked me to do it Tuesday night and I worked until eight. And then she asked me to do it after that. And I'm like, well, your bedtime's 8.30. Like that doesn't really work out. Mm -hmm. But then she begged and I was like, okay, fine. So we did it. And in order to save time, I did three cornrows at the top. Okay. Because then you put more hair into them and they just go straight back. Well, Shay's hair is so thin and so breakable that her whole like front of her forehead is baby hairs. Oh. They don't stay in the braids. Yeah. Especially when you sleep in them. So she wants to wear the braids or she wants She to wants to wear the braids the for crimp. at least a couple days. I see. Okay. Because I just saw the crimpy hair this week. So her expectation was that she was going to get to go. So she went to gym practice last night. Okay. No, this is, this was a three day affair. So Wednesday morning she wakes up and there's baby hairs everywhere. She's freaking out, crying, doesn't want to get dressed, doesn't want to eat. You have to fix the baby hairs. So I take out two cornrows. And oh. rebraid those into three braids oh, each. Like this is not a gel situation. No, it's not. Like she has so many broken hairs. A because one time she cut some. Right. And then they break. They just break. Right. And I think the braids are breaking them more. So I take out the two cornrows, put that into extra braids to fix the baby hairs. That's good enough for yesterday. So yesterday she gets to go to gymnastics, but one certain coach wasn't there. And that coach is there today. So she wanted to have the braids in still today. But then when she woke up after sleeping on them, like it was just all little tiny hairs that had come out. So she was not happy this morning, bawling her eyes out and just like ripping the elastics out of her hair because she gave up on them. And it was like, fine, I'll just have my hair crimpy. Uh, but like then aggressively ripping the, ba- the elastics out and trying to brush through her braids. So th- this is the girl drama that I get to deal with. Wow. Yeah. So eventually she figured it out. Like, I think she's still upset, but I said, look, if we had had more time to do your braids, we could think about doing gel and putting thought into the front. And, but I still, it's just her hair. Mm. It's how her hair is. Mm-hmm. Evie's is so thick and doesn't break. And Shay's just breaks as soon as it touches an elastic. She mm. just shave it off. Pull a Jada Pinkett Smith. Basically the thin hair. Is my life and the thick hairs your life? Yes. Hmm. So yeah, that was my drama this morning. So she just like gets stuck in it and cries and cries and cries and won't answer questions and won't talk to me when I feel like I'm offering very logical solutions. Hmm. But you're you're meeting her in her logic brain and not in her emotional. No, brain. I don't know how to meet in an emotional brain. Yeah. And what? You, okay. So here's my question. Because you don't have these big outbursts and you don't allow yourself to have this emotional range, what is it like to parent someone who has these outbursts and has this big emotional range and then you feel like you're supposed to parent that? Yeah, I think because I'm a people pleaser too, I feel like I have to make it better for her. Like I'm doing the masculine thing, I guess, instead of just letting her be upset, which eventually I did say to her, you're allowed to be upset that you don't have your braids today. But I also need you to answer questions and acknowledge that you hear what I'm saying when I say we need to plan this better mm-hmm. <laughs> and you need to manage your expectations. You have baby hairs and that's yeah. okay. Your hair doesn't have to be perfection. How old is she? Almost nine. 
So, like, just learning. Well, she's still in a co-regulation. Yeah. Right? Like, you're regulating her emotions. Which is it's interesting, right? Like, I mean, obviously getting children from babies to adulthood is going from needing us to regulate to learning how to regulate on their own. And I think that's one of the criticisms of education that it doesn't do mm-hmm. does more than when we went to school. But, you know, it doesn't help them to check in with themselves. But, yeah, how is that to help her co-regulate those big feelings and sit with the, the outburst? when you want to rationally take her through a solutions-based. Yeah, it's like looking in a mirror and knowing that it's a me problem and not a her problem. That I don't feel like I could just cry for as long as I wanted to, even though I feel like it's not necessary or not going to solve anything. So I don't think she should either. (laughs) Mm. Okay, you went so fast from the like, it's not fair, I can't cry for as long as I want to, to a quick judgment of it. Like, but it's not going to do anything anyway. Yeah. I am getting to do a therapy session. It's <laughs> oh, so it's your lucky day. <laughs> <laughs> what if you could have permission to cry and as long as you wanted? I don't, I don't know. Like I, sometimes I feel like I'm so numb to my emotions. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't even know what it would be like or how, how often I would cry. What if it wasn't crying? What if it was like raging? Oh, screaming would probably be good. Hitting things fun. would be good. Yeah. I would like to go to like, what are these, those called rage caves where you like hit things with sledgehammers? Yeah. And you break things, yeah. glasses and plates and everything. That would be good. But like, I only need that like once a month. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we need those after births sometimes. Oh, that would be great for decompression yeah. after a birth. So growing up, were you allowed to have big feelings? Um, yeah, I think, but I didn't witness big feelings. Mm. So I'm doing the same thing. (laughs) My parents didn't fight Mm. and didn't have big emotions at all. My dad's definitely afraid to show his emotion. And so when you had a big emotion, did you get it met? Did you go to your room? What did you I went do? to my room, yeah. And was that sort of a, um, that's what we do. We go deal with our feelings on our own in our room. Is that kind of a maybe uncommunicated expectation? Like I can vividly remember like kicking my wall saying, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. That was like probably like a three or four year old memory. I think I would have been that age doing that. That was probably begging for attention, but I would have had two baby brothers at the time. So that makes sense. Um, And then like teenager wise, I don't know. I don't feel like I wasn't allowed to have them, but I did hide them. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I have a real therapy session booked. You do? I know. Wow. <laughs> How and when did this come about? <laughs> well, I, it was supposed to actually be, I think it was actually supposed to be yesterday, but no, a week ago, but then I was going to have a birth. So I canceled it because they need 48 hours notice to cancel right. it. So like for birth workers, it's not ideal. No. If there's even a chance that I'm going to have a birth, I don't want that bill. No kidding. No. So now it's 
uh, like the last week of April. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be great. (laughs) I definitely want the debrief. (laughs) I am not excited. (laughs) Which I think means I have to go. (laughs) Is it one hour or is it longer? Okay. One hour is not that long. Yeah. Huh. I've done so much therapy in my life that it probably makes me a bit of a dangerous pseudo wannabe therapist because I just know the things that I've worked on and the things I've listened to with like Esther Perel, the things that, that fit kind of the stories I know. So I kind of put you in the same boat as my husband. Yes. We are the same person. Yeah. (laughs) You have a a narrow range of, of emotion and Mm -hmm. your belief is that that is who you are and that's your personality. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's another thought that that's really all you were allowed to be or allowed to express and that there's a huge judgment now, not yours originally, yeah. but now lives within you, that places judgment on emotions that are outside of that. Realm. I do wonder how, like, intergenerationally this is actually entwined. Like, I'm very much like my dad. I know he was not allowed to show emotion yeah. as a child. Yeah. So, like, is it just in me from being his kid and it wasn't that I wasn't allowed as a kid it just is part of me as his trauma so in that rage workshop I went to on Saturday night we talked a lot about the ancestral and epigenetic um, rage and trauma and grief that we can grieve things for you know past um, people in our lineage who didn't you know allow themselves to feel those things and that that can heal it I mean, it's out there. Yeah. um, It is crazy when you think about, when you meet a people. So like, let's go with USA. Like, yeah, but I'm Dutch. Yeah. Okay. So you're working through this idea of wanting to spend money and have things, but also feeling cheap in some areas. Mm -hmm. Well, why is that? Like, I don't want to pay for a therapy session I don't go to. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, Even though her time is valuable and I get it. Yeah. Oh, totally. (laughs) I know, like as an integrity value piece, yes. we want to pay people when we say oh to them, gosh, yes. hey, sorry, I'm not coming. Yeah. But it still feels gross. It still feels gross. <laughs> but why are Dutch people as a culture, like what have mm. they gone through as a people yeah. that means that they are quote cheap. unquote cheap? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What have they gone through? I don't know. But I think there's like all kinds of things you can look at mm-hmm. like that. I remember that podcast I was listening to around the Black Lives Matter um, time. I sh- it shouldn't be a time. It should always be a thing. But there was a podcast I was listening to that was talking about black trauma and how they need to spend time checking their surroundings and their body, like opening up their chest and looking behind them mm. because in their lineage as slaves, they've been They had chased. to watch out. Yeah. Yes. Ah. And so part of orienting their body in space is to say, I'm safe here and their body needs to go through that. But anyway, that's a separate topic. Fascinating. Yeah. How's your parenting going lately? Um, so I feel like we're in a, oh, I mean, it's so funny having twins who are identical, who are nothing the same. Mm -hmm. It's wild. I don't even know how that happens. They have literal same DNA. Yeah. How are you so different? So when you're talking about like ancestral stuff. Yeah. Uh, what? So (laughs) you have the same DNA, but you decided to not express that, but express that. Like, yeah. We literally have mirrors in our children. So Riley is my mirror and Noah is Brandon's mirror. And uh, yeah, I mean, one of them is going through a lot right now. And I, 
I, as different things evolve, I have thought it's this and then it's that and then it's this. So when it was with um, the masks, uh, he thought that everyone was angry behind their masks. And I think part of that was that Brandon and I were really frustrated with each other for a while. So he was seeing and witnessing and taking on some of our frustration with each other. I say that like it sounds like a nice frustration, like more like <laughs> high, higher volume. Yeah, higher volume frustration. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he takes that to school and thinks that everyone, because now he can't see their face, yeah. everyone is mad behind their masks. But then the mask, so I thought, okay, we're going to Mexico. We're going to have two weeks off. It's going to be great. Yeah. And then he was kind of bummed, you know, there too. And then I was reading about the AD, that ADD book. I was reading for myself, mm-hmm. but there's it's interesting some of the stuff it just talks about with children by Gabor Mate, um, Scattered Minds. And he was talking about a sensitive, emotional child. You can do nothing to make someone less sensitive, which was a kind of like a hammer over the head for me. Right. Because, I mean, you can even think about that with Shay. You want to like, solve it. You want to solve yeah. it and you want to make them less dramatic. Yes. And so... Not, just because I want to take away her pain. Yes. Not because I think that it's not okay, but I just want her to feel better faster because I want her to feel better. Totally. And we take on their grumpiness and we're like, I can hardly yeah. handle that you are this sulky, that we're yes. just eating breakfast and your head is on the table yeah. or that you were on a trip and you don't want to come out in the boat with us. Mm-hmm. So then we came back and it was no masks, which I thought would be great for him. And then it was like, he's kind of transitioned it into... Well, no, there's tape on the ground. So it's still the social distance. Or then that was over. And then it was like, there's this kid in my class and he makes fun of me every day. And I was, it's almost like I'm wondering if he wakes up grumpy and then he's looking for a reason or a justification for why he's grumpy because it's so hard to handle that I might just wake up grumpy. Right. Because I've done that before and that's yeah. a hard thing. You don't want to believe that no. about yourself. So then in terms of parenting him, it's bringing up all of my... Um, tolerating like tolerating and helping and holding and enabling and helping him to feel safe and secure and having these big feelings and also just the time it takes it's a lot of time like i don't have that time no you ain't have, nobody like, got time for that <laughs> you've got your morning like finely tuned yes to like to the minute yeah how yeah, everything that's needs exactly to get going you don't have time to braid hair yeah. I don't so time the to, dog like, peed on the floor this morning because we took so long getting downstairs well, and so the one morning we've got like, oh yeah, you can't have it. Just, then no. it's just everything's off. Yeah, like which is why out. I need to get my ass out of bed in the morning, go for a run, and do, let the dogs out before the braiding hair drama starts. Well, and it feels sometimes like as a mom, you're supposed to always be a step ahead, yeah. anticipating mm-hmm. how everyone's moods might be, and then I mean, part of it, I. I was reading, in, so in that same book, he talks about the bigger picture of things. So, like, if you have a child who is really lollygagging in the morning and, you know, but, I mean, this could work for my life, not for yours, I don't imagine. So, um, he talks about, for, let's say you set yourself a timeline of, like, three weeks. So, for three weeks, I'm just going to let them, I'm going to let the consequences, you know, I let them miss right. the bus. Yeah. And then to drive them and, and then they've got to deal with the late slip and all that stuff. If they're at a certain age, they can handle that. But, you know, if you have a massage client at 9 a.m., yeah. like, I can't, you know, I can't miss the bus. Drive them. Yeah. So the only person you, who is punished at that point is me. Exactly. They actually don't care if they're late. No. Or, and if they, if I had to drive them, they would think they won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, this is great. The what only way they mom? would lose if I, is if I was super angry about right. it, which doesn't feel good either. No, totally not. Yeah. 
So I would say, yeah, there's not, I mean, the, the morning he just seems to need to have a slower wake up, which I, I respect. So I try and like wake him up. Everyone else gets ready. He's kind of laying there in bed. Is he just so, a glass half empty guy? I don't want to put that label on him. Really? Yeah. Um, it's just having a glass half empty time. Yeah. And I think there's also been, so I've heard this about some kids now that their masks are off, some of them still want to wear it to kind of hide behind, mm-hmm. especially in the like grade seven, eight, nine realm. He's kind of doing the same thing with his hair. Oh, his hair is hiding long behind and it. And he's kind of hiding behind yeah. his hair. And so we've been talking a little bit lately about, um, like, do you want to go to a hairdresser? Do you want to look through some styles to see what you like? Are you wanting to keep it long? Like, just so it's like a, an actual choice yeah. and not just this a thing. A curtain. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of what we're going with right now. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, the hiding behind the hair thing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you make yourself not wake up grumpy if you're having a waking up grumpy time? Well, so we had my parents over for a night. And I don't know if I got thrown right back into, like, teenagehood. But, oh, my goodness. I woke up and I just felt so trapped. I was like, Mm. I just don't know how to go down to the kitchen, get my half-calf coffee. (laughs) And... um, and then just not have anyone talk at me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and so then I took my coffee to my room, and then I feel, like, relegated to my room, kind of punished that normally I'd just be on my couch, and I would kind of manage the environment in a way that's interesting. I keep talking, like, I've been talking to my kids about this. So you can manage yourself. You can't always manage your environment. Yeah. But in that instance, I was like, no, I want to manage my environment. I want everyone else to leave me alone. I want (laughs) to sit in the middle of the house and have everyone leave me alone, which is kind of what he wants. He wants people to leave him alone. But when I say to him, like, hey, how do you feel about having your own room? Yeah. We have an empty room because all three of them are sleeping in the same room. And he's like, no, I don't want that. I just want him to leave me alone. Okay. I can can solve that. Yeah, you could take a step forward into this, but that feels too heavy or too actionful or something. Yeah. So yeah, I when I wake up like that, I'm I'm better now, I would say, one, having done um the mindful way through depression. Mm-hmm. Um two, working on self-worth and self-love and forgiveness. But the main thing is not attaching my worth to my thoughts. Mm. So when I wake up and I'm like, I am grumpy Instead of like having so much fear and being so scared of that thought about what it means about me and what it can mean for my day and like how many get through this and then you're spiraling worse. I can say like, isn't it fascinating? I feel kind of grumpy right now. My thoughts are grumpy Grumpy. thoughts. Yeah. And then what would feel good? And then I can move into something like I know having coffee and going outside and having a walk. We'll mm-hmm. change things, turn things around. And I could see by like the afternoon, I was a totally different person or a person with different thoughts. So yeah, I can manage that in myself now, but for a long time, I couldn't. I would have for a long time, really terrible Saturdays where there wasn't any structure. Mm-hmm. And this would probably even be before CrossFit because I would have, now I just get up and go to CrossFit. But yeah, um, yeah or I'd have all these ideas of all this creativeness I was going to do on the day and then I'd be like, oh, I'm actually just going to stay in bed. Yeah. So that was good times. Um, when is Noah the happiest? 
Um, he does love like having tea and a cuddle on the couch under a blanket with me, um, with Brandon. He, like, he'd like to go outside and play catch. Um, he does really like video time. I think it's a, uh, touch point every day that's the same. Mm-hmm. So he knows at 4.30 he's going to play that video game. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's super happy when he comes up out of it because I don't think anyone it's is. ended. It's ended, but also, like, is anyone in a good headspace after they've come out of a dark basement having shot Well, things? I don't know. Like, I would actually love to, somebody, to talk to somebody who specializes in, like, the psychology of kids and video games. Yeah. And, like, how much is actually bad or is it good? Like, is is it possible that it is good for them? Because really, they know that they can play a game and it's it's safe. It's not going to have an emotional reaction. It's not going to school and thinking everybody's mad. Right. It's something that is the same every time. Yeah. So I can see how that would be therapeutic to them. Like, when I was a kid, I played The Sims a yeah. lot. Yeah. I mean, not... I don't know how much. My parents never really put screen time like limits on us. So I have no idea how much, but yeah, I don't know. I would just love to talk to somebody about like, is there actual benefits and like how to manage that? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thought. Um, I definitely felt like in our trip to Mexico, I'm really excited by the prospect of getting taken out of my comfort zone, taken out of my routine. Mm -hmm. I love spontaneity. We did different things every day. That's great for me. But in hindsight, I probably would have brought the kids. I brought no devices for the kids. Yeah. And in hindsight, I think it would have been healthy for them to have a familiar touch point every day. Yeah. Where we could have, like, we were just up and gone all day and doing stuff. And they would come, like, Jacob actually put himself to bed every night on the trip. Wow. He was like, I'm just going to go to bed. Yeah. What is this life? It's amazing. (laughs) But yeah, I think that was one thing where I expected too much um, spontaneity on their part. Well, I think as like our generation, we were like the first generation of teenagers with, with screens in our pockets. Yes. Really. And it's been so demonized that now I feel like we all like cling on to this control about it and this shame and guilt around it. When I don't think that that has to be there. I mean, screens are the future. We, are going to be working online. Mm-hmm. We are in front of computers all day. Most of our work is done through our phones. They need to be able to run a computer. Like Everly has a laptop she brings to school every day in grade three. So the screen, like tracking the screen time is basically impossible. But I think that we've demonized it to like an insane level where if we bring it back down to like, what's the intention behind it? And why are you actually getting joy from doing that? And if it makes sense, then maybe it doesn't seem as bad. So I think on the other side of that, having listened to the inventors of the light phone and mm-hmm. they talk about the inventors of these apps and these games. I mean, it's meant to keep you there. Yes. And yeah. they are geniuses. Like your brain is not strong enough to fight it. Yeah. And so when we give a device to a child whose brain cannot control and navigate it, um, there does need to be limits. Yeah. And so whether we're calling it demonizing it or not, they, they aren't. Um, we aren't even capable. No, right? I know like, we're not capable. We can't handle yeah. the Instagram scroll. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do think, like I heard about this parent who paid her kid 
$1,800. He promised oh, yeah, $1,800 if they would have no social media till they're 18. Yeah. And she said it was the best 1800 bucks she ever spent. So I told my kids they could have the same thing. But I've also been playing with the idea of giving them a light phone. Yeah. So that you only have phone text, directions, podcast, music, mm-hmm. and a cl- alarm clock. Yeah. The only thing that sucks is I kind of wish it had a f- camera. Yeah. So they can't take any pictures. Right. The camera would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard thing. I don't know. Like, I don't... Everly asked if she could have Snapchat for her 11th birthday because one of her good friends has it. Uh, I do think that she's the kind of kid who is going to let me police it really Mm -hmm. closely. So I don't know. I'm considering it, but then also it's terrifying. It's like one step in. But then actually I was listening to Kat and Nat on the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast and they were saying that they use TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram to stay close to their kids. Oh. So when their kids got social media, they found it was a really great way to connect. And I've thought that before. Like I've saved Instagram videos on my Instagram to show to Ev later, just of sheep right, jumping right, around. Right. Yeah. But like, oh, I see how you can like use it to your benefit if you can communicate that way. And be like, right. oh, did you get that TikTok I sent you? Like, yeah. It is kind of cute to think of it that way. For sure. And I I think the fear is, you know, what's the breakdown? Is it 50 good, 50 bad? Is it 90% bad, 10% good? Yeah. I remember for my niece's, I think it was her 12th or 13th birthday, she was allowed to get Instagram. And I was like, oh man, like if you were on the Instagram I am on, like, oh my goodness, there's so much that is not for your eyes. But then she showed me her Instagram and it's full of like cat and dog Cat and dogs, Yeah. But then now a year later, it is interesting to see how the algorithms and the things draw you in mm-hmm. and how now at Family Functions, rabbit hole. she's scrolling. Whereas yeah. a year ago, she wasn't. So yeah. it, it is one of those things that like, I don't think it is, it is, it isn't manageable. But anyway, I think if we go back to the point of like, could a video game have some benefit? I don't know. I yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. There's definitely times where I'm like, I want to go. We used to do five hours a week. So it was, they got five one hour chunks and then it's now it's gone to seven. So it's every day. And then definitely if there's times where like I'm having a nap or we're out for dinner, it goes to two hours. Yeah. So it could easily be 10 hours a week. Yeah. You know, or if I'm making dinner now it's an hour 15 or an hour and a half. And I don't know. Anyway, how much time do we have? Before it's noon. Been 30 minutes. Okay. Oh. So I wanted 20 minutes before noon. Okay. I wanted to um, change gears. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about no, kids? No, that's good from parenting this week. Okay. Um, we had a question about what does some of what does advocating look like in the real world, in the hospital, with a medical care provider? And what are some tangible, kind of concrete examples of what that looks like. And yeah. What does it sound like? And her specific question was like, she just couldn't imagine how to have that conversation with a care provider when we are in the moment, I guess. Yeah. And then if a care provider said to her, this is what we're going to do, that she would be like, yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 And we've also had a client um, who said to us, I just can't imagine being a Helen or a Nancy, or I don't know what the word the a Karen? Karen. Maybe she's a Karen. 
being a Karen and saying like, oh, I know you're a medical care provider with 15 right. years of experience, but I know better. There's a major comparisonitis when you're a doula for sure to be in that room, I think, where you're like, oh, I'm not allowed to say anything because I'm not a doctor. I think the key point to remember here is that they know how to manage worst case scenarios in an emergency and they don't know you. You know you the yeah. best. So especially when we're thinking about pregnancy, you have been growing your baby for nine months and you are in tune with your body. You've been feeling your baby's kicks. You know, if all of a sudden baby's kicks went from a ton to none, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to know that's that's not feeling right. And at no point in your pregnancy, you know, are you telling different parts of the baby to grow. So there's a part where there needs to be like two respected experts coming together of you as the client and them as the care provider. Because when we hand our power over to the care provider and we say, deliver me of my stuff, of my, of my pain, of my, and you know, deliver my baby. And then they hand this baby back to you and they're like, okay, peace out. Bye. Bye. Raise that baby, breastfeed it, (laughs) heal. You're fine. You go home and have a freak out. Yeah. Because you're like, how are they letting me take this baby home yeah. and raise it? Where I think that wouldn't happen as much if we hadn't handed our power over away in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So some of that, I think, is part of setting the groundwork for your belief set in terms of when you're going in. And, and so, what you know, in terms of advocacy... Um, you're just asking to have a seat at the table as well yeah. and for your voice to be respected and to matter. And especially when you have something that is not what they want, you're not going with their flow, that for you to not be uh, demonized or told mm-hmm. that, oh, you're going to have a dead baby. Right. Um, I would say that our most common advocating happens behind the scenes before the births, often when induction is being brought up for silly reasons. Um, and then we're talking with our clients about how to use the brain acronym and ask the questions to get the answers they want to at least make an informed choice. If you want to get induced, that's absolutely your choice, but you need to understand all the benefits and the risks of the decision you're making. So we talk to them about that and help them get the right answers. Um, but what what kind of in the moment advocating comes to mind when you think about this yeah i'd say one of the most common ones in birth is the two hour every two hour cervical check Mm -hmm. and that's just so standard routine on the paperwork that they're just kind of coming in to be like and they're unwrapping the paper yeah and snapping their gloves on before they've even said and sometimes it's multiple people sometimes it's like the resident checks and then the ob comes to do a double check and then there's the nurse is going to do a check yeah. and sort of this, you know, taking a pause or a step back to be like, whoa, what is this information actually going to give you? Yeah. And um, no, I don't want that. So what can that language look like in the moment? Um, we could say to our client when somebody walks in, oh, did you want another cervix check? Yeah. Or what information were you hoping to get from this cervix check? Yeah. Yeah. And that's often the way the we, question. we do it so that we're not um, <laughs> kicked out the door. Yeah. Not that, not that that's happened, 
But yeah, just reminding our clients of the work we've done already in the, you know, in the nine months leading up and the things they've learned in the prenatal class. So they already know, um, they've already thought through, oh, multiple people could be putting their fingers inside of me. And, you know, after the fact, and we, I say straight up in the prenatal class, the hands that you are somatically, mm-hmm. physiologically comfortable with are your own and your partner's. Yeah. You maybe have told your brain mentally that you're okay with a care yeah. provider. Especially when fingers. you have an epidural. So many people are like, no, I can't feel anything. So it doesn't yes. matter. You should ask your partner how it feels to have seen eight different people's hands check yeah, your cervix. Yeah, like up, elbow deep. Yeah. Also, um, let's talk about vaginismus. Yeah. Uh, why do we think that happens mm. after people have a baby? Like yeah. vaginismus is majority of the time a mental yes. thing, right? Like mind-body connection. So think about how many people's hands you want in there. Is it necessary to have things going up and in? in order for a baby to come down and out? Yeah. Or are those two things actually going against each other? How sensitive is your baby's head that is mm. navigating its way through the birth canal and now getting jammed by some dude's stranger's fingers? And, like, I hate to compare it to animals all the time, but, like, animals labor, nobody checks their cervix, nobody tells them when it's okay to push or not push, and their babies still come out. Yeah. Some well, of them die. Yeah. So I get that. Some of them die, but not near the percentage that we're intervening with. No, and how many of them have uh, an anterior lip that they're pushing right. against and it's so oh. swollen? Best quote about an anterior lip ever was on a Midwife's Cauldron podcast, and they were like, you know what? We wouldn't know the lip was there if we didn't check. Yeah. Surprise, there was no anterior lip. The best part about, <laughs> for me, of that podcast was they said that everybody has an anterior yeah, lip. It's at some point. It's the way the cervix dilates yeah. in that oval shape, and it kind of builds, and then there's that the anterior lip piece so then if you just check at that point then there's an anterior lip and people get so hung up on the anterior lip there is a piece there around medicated or not yes because obviously animals are not medicated they're moving around a little bit um when you're medicated you're in one position you know cervix can dilate and build and be puffy especially with when you have an epidural you have the iv fluids Mm -hmm. But anyway, back to what would be another example you can think of, of an in the moment. Oh um, man, hardest, hardest advocating ever was a client who was having a VBAC and didn't want constant fetal monitoring. Yeah. That fight sucks. Like if we have a client who is having a VBAC at the hospital, I mean, I am biased. You should be turning down constant fetal monitoring if you don't have an epidural or Pitocin. fetal heart rate. Yes. Um, so this client chose to do that. We had to speak to at least four or five different people over and over again, same conversation, same list of risks, same shaming about stillborn baby. When finally I just said to the nurse, don't let one more person in here to speak to us about that. We're done. We will change our course of action if her course of action changes. But right now when we are remaining unmedicated, there's no talk about consistent monitoring anymore. Yeah. And she was like, okay, I'll go let them know. Like, it was too much. Yeah. The birthing mom and I were both, like, we we would say to them, and it took us saying to the nurse, don't let someone even come in the door anymore. Yeah. As soon as you let them in the door, they're going to say what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. So you really have to act like a gatekeeper and set your boundaries. Yeah. Sometimes I think the part that can sound so scary about advocacy is that it sounds like you're being... A lawyer or you're standing at Queen's Park and you're on the lawn and some of advocacy is that Mm -hmm. it's that 
you know, those, and those are the ones that stick with you as that conversation that well, your heart's pounding and yeah. you have to have it anyway. <laughs> and I think there's the other ones that are, um, you're massaging your way in, right? Yeah. So I, the example I'm thinking of um, was at a hospital where I had said to the nurse, like, hey, how many different positions have you seen um, this OB um, allow? Yeah. Um, have women push in who are medicated. This woman wanted to not be on her back, but a majority of OBs will say that's a falls risk mm-hmm. or we're worried about your knee giving out. And she wanted to push like hanging over the back of the upright bed. So on her knees. And I did get like called from the hospital afterwards. <laughs> you advocated for her to stand with an epidural. I'm like, sorry, I did no such thing. I would no. not do that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, also you said all these things that I apparently said that I never didn't said. say, no, no. A good time. But yeah, having the conversation with the nurses, because often your 12 hours is with the nurse, your 20 minutes is with the OB. Yeah. And when sometimes when the OB comes in, it's awesome if you're already in the position you want to be in. And then when they're saying, I need you on your back, you're like, she's comfortable pushing in this position yeah this is feeling really good this is working really well for her right now yeah we're gonna keep doing this um i just am like midway through a trauma course that's taught by a former labor and delivery nurse and she says that um we need to change birth plan and call it a medical care plan because birth plans really a lot of people don't take them seriously. Some nurses roll their eyes. They don't really read them. But if you call it a medical care plan and you ask for it to be put in your file, they legally have to read it and they legally have to follow it. Oh, that's Just amazing. the change of the name. That's great. Yeah. I think the thing, if anything, that I wish like OBs and, and medical care providers in a hospital environment understood is how important it is to take care of the physiology and the hormones. Yeah. It's like, these things aren't just bougie little no, wishes. No, they're real. Like, I, it's, having the lights dim and having the door shut is, is actually vital to her not hemorrhaging. Yeah. Like, this is how important <laughs> yeah. it is. Because if you took an, like, back to the animals, right? You put them on a stage with lights all over them, you think they can perform? Yeah. But then we expect humans to. I know, it's Because crazy. we have a, a brain, but we are not in our prefrontal cortex when we're in labor. No. We're in this other... Animal brain. Like, yeah, where we're just not... That's why we don't really communicate. We just nod, say yes or no. Which is why it's really difficult for you as the birthing human to be your own advocate. Yeah. I think one of the other things that we do, which is actually I love doing, is making everybody leave the room. Yes. Yeah. I love, that is my favorite question. Do you guys want a minute just to talk the two of you? Cool. We're all going to go out into the hallway together. Yeah. And then we get the opportunity to talk to people in the hallway. Yes. Yes. And then the couple gets the opportunity to speak. And then usually I'm the first one to go back in. Yeah. And then we'll be like, what'd you guys talk about? How are you feeling? What are you thinking? And then you invite everybody back in. And this works really nicely, even in a space that you're not advocating, like even at a home birth, right? Totally. Like I'm just going to let you guys cuddle in bed for yeah. like 20 minutes or why don't you just have some time in the shower by yourself or in the mm. bath by yourself or like with your vibrator. Oh man, please more people try your vibrator in labor. <laughs> yeah, I just, it, right? I just want to have another baby so I can masturbate in labor. <laughs> You'll be way it's too fast. So bad. I know I wouldn't yeah. have time. There'd be no way. Oh, but please, I but love, yeah, can we do a research study on that? I like, know, <laughs> I do want to know so much more about orgasmic birth. Yeah. 
Because I actually also feel like the name has been stretched out to include births that are not orgasmic. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's narrow it down just to the ones that actually are yeah. orgasms. Um, but yeah, that I remember asking, maybe we've talked about this already on the podcast, um, and a client who was just like, I just have, I have so many farts. Oh yeah. The fart lady. I have the fart. Yeah. And, and I was like, let her rip. But she literally couldn't with me, her husband and the two nurses in there. Mm-hmm. So I think her husband actually, yeah, so maybe she didn't care with him, obviously. So yeah, me and the nurses went in the hallway and it was so funny. The nurses like were laughing and acting like they were off call of a sudden. They were like playing around in a wheelchair. Yeah. And they were just like hanging out in the hallway. Like it was an un, um, unsanctioned break or something. Oh, yeah. But it was good. Yeah. yeah. Advocating for that space is amazing. Yeah. And it often feels like when people picture us advocating, I think we're like kicking scissors out of people's hands yes. in the middle of an episiotomy. Yes. Like, yeah, if an episiotomy is going to happen unannounced, we're going to mention it yes. if we can. Yeah. Like she's about to cut. Yes. Yeah. But that's like a very rare circumstance. Most of the time it's a calm conversation and it's us making a suggestion and then encouraging people to leave. The other one I would say that does happen quite often, I would say is around clamping and cutting. Of yeah, the cord. yeah. Yeah. So they're coming with the clamps and I'll usually just say, Oh, they're about to clamp. Did you feel like the cord was, had finished? Yeah, do you want to feel it before they clamp it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like a baby's got enough of its own blood back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then they can kind of see the OB or nurse be like, Oh, like, cause they have a standard mm-hmm. of 45 seconds for OBs or 33 minutes for midwives. And then, you know, when someone chooses something other than that, like, oh yeah, it is, it is my choice. Yeah. And I think a lot of the advocating, um, is just that they are in their pattern. They're in their funnel. They're in yeah, their flow. They're, they're on autopilot. Yeah. They're yep. doing what they always do. And realistically, how many births do you think they see that doulas are at? Oh my gosh. Less than 5%. Yeah, I was gonna say less. 3%. I was gonna say one. Like I think yeah. one in a hundred. One in a hundred. Yeah. Of every birth they're at is gonna be, especially over the pandemic. Yeah, I would love to ask them that. Yeah. It so then is. all of a sudden they've got someone there. They don't necessarily like it. A lot of times we don't have to say anything. Just the extra Just the, set of yeah. eyes. Yeah. That's like I'm watching. You. I do hear often now when I'm at a birth, and I don't know what they're saying when I'm not there, but the cord looks like it has drained completely. They'll state it before yes. they clamp it because they, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ones I've never said this in a room, but it's something that I'm toying around, playing with the language of how it could look, because we know that trauma is not just about what happened it's about how you were treated how you were respected and so you can go through something really terrible and not registered as trauma because you were treated well so what i'm asking the care provider for is like can you be a decent human yeah like connection yes so can i haven't figured that language out yet like hey can you make eye contact with my client when you're talking to Mm -hmm. them or like um and masks honestly masks have made it way harder oh totally or like can you um, ask them if you can like, like connect with them. Right. Yeah. So I know Billy Harrigan's talked about that. Like the, it's the opposite of true empathy mm-hmm. where you're doing this, um, like affective fake empathy. Yeah. 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 And so you couldn't say to someone, Hey, can you like touch their arm right. while you're talking to them? Yeah. But yeah. How do you give someone a five second crash course on how to be a better human at their job? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's tough. And so I think what happens is we end up, 
um, re um, languaging or what are we like re saying what they said? Yes, in a, in a way nicer that's way. personable. Yes, and you can see on our clients' faces that, that like, they all of oh. a sudden get it. Yeah, yeah, and feel like they're part of like the decision. a translator. Yeah. One of the things, um, this is maybe not about advocacy, but um, that I'm, you know, and this is just where experience, you can't replace experience. Um, when something is going sideways, so let's say baby's being resuscitated, is for me to use my voice to communicate everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Because they'll often say like, I didn't know what was happening in that moment and no one was telling me anything. Yeah. And I think what we do is we all hold our breath thinking the baby's going to be fine in one minute and then she'll get her baby back and not realizing that that one minute is the trauma. Oh my gosh, it's so long. It's so long. I'll never forget the baby. I was at a birth where there was a baby unresponsive for four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do in those four minutes? I physically held up the dad and we stood with the baby and I relayed to the mom everything that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So... I have goosebumps talking about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He needed to be held up because he was like... He was going to go down. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, it was And why was... Um, who was holding her, the mom? She, I mean, I was making eye contact with her. Yeah. And she had midwives. So there would have been two of them. And then the NICU team would have been in there. So I, I think that the midwife, one of them would have been up with her. Yeah. But he needed me to be with him. Otherwise he couldn't have stood there with the baby. Yeah. 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 It's a hard learning curve when you feel like you could have done it better. Um, I feel like I have an experience like that where I'm like I gave one update and then you're just kind of waiting, right? Let's right. Begging the baby. Yeah. And uh, yeah. for doulas listening to this, a good place to start is to just like start describing the baby physically. Yeah. Oh, I see they have ten toes. Oh, they got like just go full basics. Yeah. Yeah. They have the cutest butt. Yeah. Like, whatever. Just throw f- words out into the air yeah. that are not scary. Yeah, and then go, you can, yeah, say, like, they're just giving them a bit of yeah, air. Yeah, just helping them out. Colors changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned brain. Uh, so benefits, risks, alternatives, intuition, and what if we do nothing? Yes. All right. Is that See it? There. Yeah. Okay, it's almost 12 o'clock. Okay, okay goodbye, friends. We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five-star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember, you are important too. Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Everything said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.